We rise by bowing. We live by dying. When we give what we could never keep, we gain what we will never lose. Like beauty from ashes and joy from mourning. Only you can take brokenness and make it something beautiful. Friends, it's Morgan, and welcome back to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. That teaser on the front of this episode was the lyrics from We Rise, The Cageless Birds, and Jonathan and Melissa Helser. We have a gift for you. We're diving into episode two of a series where I've had the privilege of sitting with Melissa and Jonathan David Helser to explore how to continue the deep work of discipleship through the means of worship. Jonathan and Melissa have been entrusted with a beautiful ministry. Uh, It's rooted in Sophia, North Carolina, and they have a program called the 18-inch journey. They host retreats and camps, high school kids, college-age kids. It's one of the few places I've seen in this hour on the earth where Older, wiser guides, fathers and mothers in the faith are doing the slow, steady work of apprenticing the next generation life on life in person over time. You can find out more at 18inchjourney.com, and I strongly encourage you to check out the resources they have. But they're doing the work, as Jonathan will share in this episode, they have a co-mission of blessing and building. And so the blessing is their worship that goes to the ends of the earth. And they've been faithfully producing worship that facilitates encounters with God and processes of maturing over time. And they also do the deep building work of small batch discipleship and 18 inch journey is the epicenter for that. So if you love anything about this podcast, I encourage you to check out 18 inchjourneycom And then of course, all of the worship music that they have created courageously and spirit-led with wisdom and revelation over the decades. You can find it everywhere music is available, but particularly at jonathanhauser.com and at a website called cagelessbirds.com. Cageless Birds is the beautiful, creative collective of artists that have come through 18-inch journey and as part of their process of being discipled, have developed into beautiful leaders in the church in this hour on the earth. And they produced music in conjunction with Jonathan and Melissa. So cagelessbirds.com is another website that you'll want to check out. So friends, with that in mind, Holy Spirit, we ask for your guidance. Jesus, we ask for your power. And Father, we ask for your generous care as we dive into episode two. I pray that the conversations with Jonathan and Melissa, and I pray that the worship that we'll be able to dive into in conjunction with the conversation, I pray that all of it would be anointed by your spirit. I pray that your power would move through this podcast that it would actually be a substantive experience of the kingdom of God, that you would come into people's homes and hearts and vehicles and stories, and you would catch them. You would meet them 
the infinite need of the heart of every listener matched with your infinite capacity and delight and intention to fill. Catch our hearts. Lead us into what's next. We ask for your anointing and your power in Jesus' name. So last episode, Melissa, you were naming these very strong, but often subconscious messages of kind of these twin thieves of I'm too much and I'm not enough and how we get enmeshed in them. As we dive into some of your earlier work, um, you've, you've talked about one particular song that really uh, was part of your movement into freedom and life from those ideas. Tell us about that song. Yeah, I think so much of our journey in our 30s was identifying lies that we're believing um, and our journey through emotional health. Uh, it just changed our life, honestly. It just... It gave us, as two people growing up in the church, um, it gave us a lot of stunning language to do the really hard daily work of walking with the Lord and getting really honest with the places where we believed things that actually weren't congruent um, with uh, even the things that we like to say, but they're not actually internally what we really believe. And so I think coming into, again, having a chronic illness I'm just so grateful for tools. Honestly, it's it's changed the way that I interact with the Lord and it's given me a well-worn path to like when I'm hitting that wall of pain or discouragement, disappointment, I, I have that beautiful well-worn path of like, Lord, what's actually going on in my heart right now? I was diagnosed with um, psoriatic arthritis when I was 17 um, and it was very extreme at that time. And... And then I had a, a radical experience of healing, actually. And then after I uh, met Jonathan, we got married. A year later, got pregnant. A year later, had cadence. Um, it came back with with a vengeance. Uh, and so for the last, you know, our whole marriage, really, I've been fighting uh, this. So psoriatic arthritis is the disease of the skin, and then it's the disease of the bone. And so it's psoriasis of the bones. And so it acts a lot like arthritis, but it it is a different kind of disease. And so one morning I, uh, this was probably, gosh. Five years ago? Five, yeah. seven years ago. Um, I woke up in a lot of pain. Like just my body was just in so, so much pain. And I, you know, those mornings you wake up and you just feel like there's a heaviness sitting on you. And you're just like, whoa, like I'm not only in pain, I'm. I'm feeling oppressed. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Like there is something like sitting on me. And I just prayed out and I said, God, can you just, can you take away the pain? And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Melissa, I want you to sing your way out. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to sing my way out. I was a little upset that he even asked me to do it, right? I'm like laying in bed. I can barely get out. I'm in so much pain. And I'm like, Lord, no, I don't want to, I don't want to sing my way, way out. I want you to just take it, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, nothing happened, like no response, you know? And so I get up and I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready. And I just say it again, God, please, will you take the pain out of my, like, will you take the pain away? And again, the Lord said, Melissa, I want you to sing your way out. 
And then I was just really upset. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to do that. I want you to just like, please, like, can't you see where I'm at? Will you just take it? And then I'm literally like blow drying my hair. I'm like, my head's flipped over. I'm blow drying my hair. And I just say it again, God, please. I mean, my body was just pounding in pain, my bones and please take the pain. And the third time, and when he says it three times, you're like, <laughs> oh, you definitely like need to start listening. And I, the Lord just said again, Melissa, I want you to sing your way out. And he said, I actually want you to experience the power and authority of your own voice. Like, and, I, and it just felt, I was like, okay, this is the kindness of a friend. He's like, I actually want you to experience what's in you coming out, like, which of course is Christ in me, the hope of glory. I mean, it was Christ in me, right? But he was like, I want you to sing your way out. And so I, I'm literally blow drying my hair. And I just, at the top of my lungs, I sang out, I am strong and full of life. I am steadfast, no compromise. I lift my sails to the sky. I'm going to catch the wind. And I'm like, it was so profound because that, that actually wasn't necessarily a prayer about the pain, right? It was I am statements that I had been fighting for, for years. Like I am strong and full of life. I am steadfast. I don't have compromise in my life. Like I'm going to, I'm going to catch the wind. And then like, I mean, like, like electricity, like shot through my body. I felt the presence of God like surrounding me. I sang it again at the top of my lungs. I am strong and full of life. And this, the, the heaviness, more than anything, the oppressive, heavy discouragement that comes with the lie, God is never going to come through, right? Like, I mean, that is the, the biggest lie that I've fought in the last 20 years of being sick is the Lord has forgotten and he's not coming through. And having to fight that lie and stay with Jesus. And it was the most stunning moment of just like singing my heart to the Lord and actually declaring the truth of like, this is, this is who I am. And the Lord meeting me there and just lifting the heaviness and the oppressive discouragement. It was crazy. It was like one of the most beautiful. And I, of course, then I pulled my phone out and just recorded it. I'm like, you know, record it. And then like a year later, I'm like, I, I have this little recording. And John was like, you have to write that song, you know? And, and it just became an anthem, honestly, for me. Every time I sing it, um, before I sing it, I pray like, Lord, if this is the moment you want to heal me, like, let's go. Like, but it's a, it is a declaration of truth, right? Which is like, this is who I am. Not from just a place of like wishful prayers, like that anxious religious rhetoric that's just like, I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong, I think I'm strong. But they're like, no, no, this is what I've been fighting for in the secret place. Truth, like what is truth right now? And, and more than I think even, of course, because it's not like it, that moment healed my physical disease but it healed something in my soul and in my mind. Like it was so much about the perspective shift of like, okay, who am I with Jesus? Who is he inside of me? It was so, so profound. And so it's been one of my favorite songs I've ever, ever written and ever 
saying, I mean, we've sang it all over the world and it to be, and I tell that testimony every time, you know, and it's just like for the testimony of so many people that have struggled with, with chronic illness. It's like, so it's the everyday of chronic illness that just wears you down. It's just the everyday of wanting it to be finished and it's not finished. And it's been like one of the, maybe the greatest honors to be able to actually speak into people who like are in that battle with chronic illness. That's so, it's just so consistent that it, it's, it, it just wears you down. And so that, that's probably been my favorite season of testimonies is just people that have, I mean, it's all the time. It's like catch the wind got me through like the worst season of pain, you know, to date. And just like, man, Lord, you're so good to give us the gifts of these songs. Melissa, it's so powerful and so provocative. And, and my sense is that there are a lot of listeners that are either currently in um, their version of a chronic illness and or they're loving a person in that situation. And so as we turn to the song now and invite those people in, what would you say to the heart of the listener, just in a, in a sentence that's about to dive in? I think what I would say to someone who's struggling and then someone who has people in their lives that they love that are struggling is yield to the presence. God is so consistent. Yield to the presence.
God, we pause in this moment and we do choose to risk to lift our sail to the sky, choose to catch your wind, to catch your breath, to invigorate our souls, to empower us with your spirit, with your strength, with your steadfast provision. God, we renounce fear. We receive your boldness. And I pray with curiosity, where have we been reluctant to raise a sail? And where has fear kept us clutching and holding on to things that must be released in order that we can be filled to the full measure of glory and stature that you intend in this season of our initiation. I pray, Father, that every bit of your wind would remind us that your spirit is at work, your spirit is at hand, that you're moving, that you're breathing, that you're sustaining us. And you're asking for deeper measures of us, new parts of us to release the grip on the sail, to let it be lifted and be filled. Amen. Jonathan, Melissa, while, while we're in this theme of Melissa, your lioness heart, and your just courage to go there. I want to turn to another song that is just ministered deeply to me and a generation, um, no longer slaves. And in it, man, you, you let loose, <laughs> you just, you just <laughs> let it loose and it unleashes something. Jonathan, um, there's an anointing for you to bring the message of sonship to call out the sons and daughters and fear has so many parts of so many of us bound up. And so this song is a breakthrough. It's a release, no longer slaves. Tell us more about this. This song I know wouldn't exist um, if we didn't live in this beautiful tension of getting the privilege of going to lead worship, but then also building in discipleship. Yeah. And one of the inspirations mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. the way we've built the culture of our school is around the model we see in Jesus where he had this blessing ministry and this building ministry. Mm -hmm. The blessing would be the thousands, the building would be the few, um, you know, the 12, the three, and the one. And we had, a, we had a dear friend challenge us about almost 20 years ago now. He said, I really believe your music is going to go around the world. He was one of our biggest fans of our music. He's like, I just, I feel like the gener generation is <laughs> going to hear your songs. Um, he's like, but I believe that's your blessing. That's the blessing side of what you guys do. What is the building side? And that sent us into a conversation to, to begin to develop what our discipleship school yeah. is now, the 18 inch journey. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the 18-inch journey is small. It's a small batch discipleship. We only have about 35 first-year students and about 20 second-year students on the land each season. And uh, and that started with a school of only eight students, yeah. the first one. Mm -hmm. So wow. all that to say, um, it was 2011, the first week of the school, I got to teach on the Father Heart of God. 
And uh, it's 2011. I'm teaching. We get to this ministry time where the love of the Father's filling the room. Mm. And I spontaneously sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And it's like the whole school begins to sing this chorus for like 20 minutes. We're singing it. We're getting mm. free. The Father yeah. is meeting us in a beautiful way. And uh, we finish the Father Week, and we don't sing that chorus till 2012. We come back to Father Week again mm-hmm. uh, with the students, wow. uh, and we have this ministry time again, first week of the school, small uh, small group of students in the school. And in my spirit, this phrase comes back out again, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I'm a child of God. We sing it, the Father comes. Mm. 2013. Uh, we don't sing it again. We come back 2013 wow. and uh, have another <laughs> another collision with the Father's love, sing it. And I walked out of the room that day and Melissa's like, babe, every time you sing that phrase, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I'm a child of God, something happens in the atmosphere. You have to, like, it's mm. a song. It's like, no, I don't think it's a song. It's just part of like our ministry week, you know? She's like, no, it's a song. <laughs> like, you have to put some lyrics around it. So long story short, we put lyrics around yeah. it. In 2014, Bethel Music approached us and just said, we love you guys. We want the world to hear your more of your music. Can we help you? Would you guys like to be a part of an album? And... um Melissa told me, she's like, we have to send them no longer slaves. And I honestly, there's these moments, um, and this is why friendship and marriage and community is so incredible, because sometimes the thing in our life that God's doing the most in us with, we're so close to the canvas, we can't, we just yes. see these yeah. like these brushstrokes that feel yeah. so messy and raw. Mm-hmm. And our friends that are 10, 15, 20 feet back can see the full picture. And I was like, babe, that song is so raw. Like, it, I don't think it's good enough to be on a Bethel music album. She's like, no, <laughs> it's so special. And um, I was like, okay. So I sent it to him. And then long story short, like the Lord just used this song and sent it all around the world. And we've we've marveled so many times if we weren't doing the building part of what yeah. we're doing. I, I wouldn't have had the authority. I wouldn't have had the place to be able to sing that um, in the discipleship yes. praise. And then, but then the Lord's like breathed on this, like the five loaves and fishes. Like we just brought this little lunchbox and God's like fed thousands with this song. Um, so it, for us, it has been the marriage of the blessing and the building. And Melissa wasn't even supposed to sing on the song. It was like a last minute, like the bridge was way too high for me to sing anyway, where we had pitched the key. And I was like, babe, you sing the bridge. And it, it was like, Honestly, that that version of the band playing it was like one of the first times they had ever played the song. Like we're wow. we're just all hanging on for dear life. We're figuring the song out, and um, but it made it so raw and real. Yeah, but it's even the like we've been talking a lot about just the the fight we've been in just to fight the lies, right? Yes. Like when we went to track this song. It's our first time with Bethel Music. We're super nervous. They've been working on this album for like six months to then do a live recording. Yeah. No Longer Slaves got thrown in two weeks before they started. Wow. So it was the only song that didn't have like production on it really at all. Yeah. And so every, every, they, we did like three nights and over the course of three days, every song was played six times so that everyone had plenty of chances to do it, you know, and, but because ours was so brand new, every single time we did it, it was changing because there wasn't an arrangement. (laughs) It was terrifying. It was like the, I'm like, 
we're like, this is the worst possible scenario for our first time being with Bethel Music. This is like, <laughs> we are literally been brought to the top of a mountain to be completely exposed. Like, but it was so amazing because after the first night, and it was not awesome. Like, I mean, it was too slow and the band didn't really know it yet. And there's all these people there trying to worship with it. And we were just like, oh my gosh, this is this is terrible. Like, and the Bethel guys were so sweet. They're like, if it doesn't work, we won't put it on there, you know? And we're like, yeah, 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 that's fine. That's fine. You know? And so we go back to our house and we both were just looked at each other and we're like, I'll see you later. Like, I got to go spend time oh. with Jesus. And you definitely oh, you guys, go spend time so with So risky. Jesus. So, so risky. So <laughs> but the thing was, I, I just would love for you to say that what the Lord spoke to you actually about yeah. the guy, the men, the disciples mm. in the boat. Yeah. I, yeah. So in, this was 2014. So this was eight years ago. So it's, it's beautiful to look back. We would have been in our mid thirties. Yeah. Um, and we had, we did have some of the keys and tools at that point to, to know that in a moment like this, we need to pray our most honest prayers. Yeah. Um, and also cling to Jesus. Um, and I did say to Melissa, like, I looked at her, I was like, we are in a test and I do not want to fail this test because I don't ever want to take it again. <laughs> I was like, oh, we need to guys. go spend time with God and find out what's going on. I don't want to take this test again. <laughs> like, we can <laughs> never take this test but again. But it, it was, it, the Lord was doing very deep things yeah. in us. And so I just went, we went to separate corners of this house and I just prayed my most honest prayer. And sometimes it takes mm. me a while to actually dare to get honest with God. So I, I was journaling. And at the end of the prayer, I said this phrase, God, did you bring us? Because we recorded the um, album up on a mountain overlooking uh, California. And we, I said to the Lord, did you bring us all on this mountain to kill us? Because that's what it feels like. Mm. That, that was the, my most wow. raw. Like, I feel like you brought me here to kill me and humiliate me. I feel mm. so embarrassed right now. And... Um, but when I said the phrase, I instantly, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what the Israelites said in the wilderness. And that's exactly what the boys said in the storm when they woke Jesus up. Like, did you bring us out here to kill us? Did you, don't you care? Don't you care? Um, and, and it, I realized like, what the Lord is doing, he he brought the boys not into the storm to kill them. He brought them into the storm to kill their fear. He didn't bring them into the wilderness to kill them because there weren't enough graves in Egypt. He brought a generation there to kill their slave mindset and to kill the fear that had been trapping them and to teach them their royalty as sons and daughters. Um, and so it just exposed something in both of us. Yeah. And then and then we made this beautiful repentance trade with the Lord. Um, and because he said to you, I didn't, I don't want you to just sing a song about not being a slave to fear. I want to like, do you believe it? Do you really believe mm. it? Yeah. I mean, it was a total confrontation of when you're a friend of God, the confrontation moments are the best, right? Because he's yes. so trustworthy yes. and he's just like, uh, if you're going to sing this, I'm going to need you to believe it. And I'm like, oh man, like, and so even the next, the next day it was starting to get better. And then day mm. three, I'll never forget it. Cause for me, it was all the lies. Like, what are you doing here? You don't really have a seat at this table. You're not good enough to be in on this album or singing this song or look around you, look at all these other people. They sing so much. It was, you know, when the enemy assaults us with lies mm. and I'm just clinging to truth, and right before it was take five that that no the actual recording, 
and 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 everyone say like, oh, we're gonna they're gonna probably overdub vocals. So just sing as hard as it, just sing your heart out. You know, it'll be fine. <laughs> Which of course they didn't oh. overdub anything because that <laughs> moment was so sacred. But yeah. I'm like, I'm yes. standing up there and we're getting ready to go up for our set. And I like one of the clearest things times I've ever heard the Lord speak to me. And he said, Melissa, tonight you will roar like a lioness. And I was like, okay. And we went up and and like it was, it was so powerful. But it's most to date, like for, you know, from the time I started Leisure to that moment, that was the hardest I'd ever sang in my life. Like thinking that they were gonna overdub it, which right. of course they're like, we can't <laughs> overdub any of this. So I'm like, you promised you would, you know. <laughs> but ultimately it was like the Lord gave us. The gift, you know, because one of our greatest fears was like, will Bethel understand us? Will they give us space to be ourselves? And right. and the right. and the truth was, yes, like they were. They were giving us so much space, and and the Lord preserved, like He He allowed us to be in another risk moment where we had to trust Him, and and we had to to trust that He had not brought us up there to humiliate us. But he was doing a very deep work in our own hearts. And so yeah. when we listen back to it, it's like it's 100 percent what we've what we've discipled a generation in, but that was Jesus discipling us. I mean, yes. he was like, I want you to sing this song, but we we have to do some business first. Yeah. And I'm not gonna humiliate you, like, but I need you to do the work. And it was so awesome. And that that moment I was sharing when I prayed my most honest prayer. And I begin to make this exchange. I begin to give the Lord my fear. Um, I had this moment with the Father. It was one of the most remarkable moments I've had with him. And the best way to describe it would be like when the Lord showed up to Solomon and just said, what do you want? Like anything. I'll give you anything. And I had this moment with him where I felt his love come in and I felt the peace. Like whatever happens with this song, it doesn't matter because what he's doing in our heart is worth more than any song being recorded. Mm. And then I felt his presence in the room and it was almost audible, but I just felt his generosity whisper into my heart, Jonathan, my son, what do you want me to do with this song? I'll do anything you ask. And it, it confronted my poverty. It confronted my scarcity. I didn't even know what to, to ask. And I was like, can I have a few minutes to think about it? You know, because I, <laughs> I felt like he, he had the checkbook there and he's like, just tell me, what, what do you want? I'll do anything you ask. I was like, I don't want to miss this moment. Um, and I said, can I, can I think about it? He's like, I have all the time in the world, <laughs> you know? And oh. I just thought for a while and, and I said to him, I said, Father, whoever hears this song, if thousands hear it or a few hear it, my dream is what we felt in that room during that school, the way those sons and daughters were baptized into sonship and daughterhood, the way they received their belovedness and fear lost its hold on their story. That would be my dream for whoever hears it. They would feel what we felt on this land the first time we sang it. And that we also wouldn't be humiliated. <laughs> right. And the father said, I can do both of those things. And, oh. and so some of the testimonies that we've gotten from the song, I'm just like, oh, it's what we've experienced here uh, on the land. Yeah. And you have to risk humiliation, right? You have to take that risk. And what I so love, and one of the things I've learned in kingdom living is the real anointing flows when we operate and offer out of what we've lived, not just out of what we know. They can't just simply be ideas 
but it has to be out of our life. And so here you are living the sustenance of the thing. And so literally you're just making yourself available for God to, as you said in our last episode, Melissa, partner with you, right? Because you are participating in the divine reality that slavery has no hold on us. We've come to break agreement with fear and announce and declare that we are a child of God. A couple of weeks ago, we got a email from an orphanage in Mexico with uh, 4,000 uh, 4, girls um, singing No Longer Slaves in Spanish. Um, and it's just, and uh, they sent it to me and Melissa. They have a whole band playing. Um, and and to, we were just like seven years ago when we were singing the song, never dreamed that God would like what he's done with this just this broken offering that we gave him this little lunch box. And he all of a sudden is doing this and feeding so many. Um, and to see them sing it, like. That was crazy. Yes. So and they're all just lined up. And the email, the people who lead the girls home, like, like this song has been so much to these girls who are rescued. And they're from the, like the poorest parts of my, so many of them are orphans. And, and just like, it is that moment where you're like, we gave, like the Lord took our gift and he turned it into something eternal. And not every song is like that. Like not every song has that kind of bandwidth, but, but when they do, it is such, it is such a gift from the Lord, like that we're still getting video, like a video of 4,000 young little girls singing. This is such a special song for us. And um, yeah, as you guys listen, um, it really is uh, our heart for a generation to to realize they are surrounded by the arms of a father. So this is No Longer Slaves. You unravel me with a melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears at the cold.
one of the many kind of ways of Jonathan and Melissa that encourages me is you guys are consented to the slow and steady work of becoming. And that's the heartbeat of Become Good Soil podcast, right? To, to do the work, to become good soil, to establish deep roots, to become the kind of tree that when the storm comes and the drought comes, it reveals the condition of the roots. And there is this uh, lyrics in one of your songs that says simply this, it's, it, it could be the anthem of Become Good Soil, where you sing, we rise by bowing, we live by dying. When we give what we could never keep, we gain what we will never lose. This is one of the perhaps hidden songs because this was featured beyond the two of you with Cageless Birds. Um, tell us about Cageless Birds and this beautiful work, We Rise. We've talked a lot about the 18-inch journey. That's our discipleship school. Uh, Cageless Birds are really all the leaders that are here on the property, on the land with us, that are part of our community, and it's the artistic expression of what we do. Um, we have leather makers, we have uh, potters, poets, songwriters, musicians, um, photographers. photographers, artists, visual artists, um, woodworkers. So um, a huge part of the 18-inch journey is using creativity as a way of finding out what's going on in our heart. And so all these guys teach creative uh, collectives during our school, but then we also create all these goods, create these things to help support the mission of the 18-inch journey. Mm -hmm. And we call that collective artist the Cageless Birds. And uh, some of it, um, we, were, we wanted to think of a name that we could go into um, – we could go rent out an art gallery and have uh, we could do a, a night like a gallery showing yeah. and it wouldn't come off as this Christianese name. Um, and it could also be a name that we could talk about on airplanes. Uh, we've had so many conversations on airplanes where someone's like, what band are you in? And we'll say Cageless Birds. And it's just a really sneaky avenue to start mm -hmm. talking about the gospel uh, to someone and kind of move past uh, their familiar terms and, and kind of sneak into their hearts. And when we were thinking of the name Cageless Birds, I heard the story of a man who visited a this nature preserve in South Africa. While he was there, they were going to release this rare eagle that hadn't been in this area of South Africa for a long time. And they brought this eagle from a zoo that had been in a zoo for like 15 years, brought it out to the nature preserve, brought the cage out, and they have this ceremony. We're going to release this cage bird back into the wild. And they open the door of the cage and the bird doesn't budge. Five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour goes by. And the, and he, he's like one of the last people there watching it. Like, what an anticlimactic moment. Like, And he realizes the bird's not in the cage. The cage is in the bird. Like he's forgotten who he is. And all of a sudden, after like an hour goes by, another bird flies overhead and lets out a cry. Another and eagle. Another eagle of the same... Uh, the same type. And when this caged eagle hears the cry, he instantly remembers who he is and flies out of his cage. Um, and we heard this story. I'm like, that's what we're going to name our collective. That the, the whatever we're creating with the works of our hands, the music, that it would be that cry to a generation to remember who they are. And whatever, if they're holding a book or listening to an album, they would hear a sound and fly out of their cages into, into the fullness of who God made them to be. So mm -hmm. that's the dream of the Cageless Birds. And this song, We Rise, is the opening track 
to an album, We Rise, We Bow, where we got to feature um, the yeah. staff that have been pouring their life into the school and the songs that they've created. All the all the musicians who played on this album are a part of the Cages Birds. And, mm -hmm. and I love that this album, We Rise, We Bow, opens with this song because it's mm -hmm. so much of the heartbeat of the school. As we play this song, We Rise, uh, yeah, my dream would be that you would hear the sound of the free eagle. You would hear Jesus rising over your life. And uh, wherever you're trapped, wherever you feel imprisoned, wherever you feel uh, enslaved, that you would hear the sound of Jesus rising over you uh, mm -hmm. and calling you uh, yeah. to, to glory to glory. Uh, and the bridge of this uh, song is, I'll follow yeah. you anywhere. I'll follow you anywhere, anywhere you want to go. And so, uh, yeah, may you be inspired to fly a little higher and follow this free eagle into a beautiful place of freedom.
as I stand with Melissa and Jonathan in this moment, my invitation is to linger here and be curious. Where is God inviting you to bow down in order that you might rise up? How is God inviting you to die in order that you could pass through death and find a greater life? What is it that he's asking you graciously with a tear in his eye to give up that you're holding on to, thinking that holding on tightly is how you will keep it? Where is he wanting to bring his promise to you that beauty will come from ashes? Holy Spirit, show us, reveal what's on your heart. Amen. Friends, you're brave to go to these places. You are among the few, and that's why I believe you're listening. I want to turn to another song that calls out hope. Hope is a dangerous thing. And one of the themes in your work in the world is that you ask people to hope. And hope is disruptive. It's enticing, but it's disruptive because what if, right? Melissa, like you were sharing earlier, like what if God doesn't come? What if he leads me to a place and then abandons me in that place? And I, one mentor really helped me kind of get my hands around hope when he described it as it's the anticipation and the expectation of good things right around the corner. It's a lot safer to give up hoping. This next song I want to invite you to um, share with us, Raise a Hallelujah. It's an anthem that calls out hope. And, and it is a proclamation that in the end, the greatest lie of all lies, um, that death wins, that lie is dismantled through your work, that death is defeated and the truth is the king is alive. Tell us about this song, Raise a Hallelujah. Yeah, this song was born in the middle of what we thought was going to be a, a really intense tragedy. Um, some dear friends of ours who actually were le leading Bethel Music, um, Joel Taylor, uh, we were coming into the Christmas holiday just a few days from Christmas, and uh, we started getting these text messages from Joel. Please pray for our two-year-old Jackson. We're being airlifted to the hospital right now. Um, and the news just went from bad to worse. Um, within a couple of days, uh, he's in intensive care, um, and the doctors are like, I don't think Jackson's going to make it. And we're just, everyone is just fighting for a little Jackson's life. It's just an intense emergency. And um, 
we had this moment, me and Melissa, where we we just stopped. We got a message from Joel that said, if there's not a miracle tonight, Jackson won't live through the night. And there, it's just so painful watching, um, all within probably like four or five days. Mm -hmm. And I remember Melissa came to me after we read, we read this message on opposite sides of the house and we came together and just held each other. And we just like, Jackson's going to, like, we just felt the hopelessness of Jackson's going to die. And, um, tears, uh, grief. Um, I can't imagine what our friends were feeling for their son. And as we were just really mourning what we thought was going to be a moment where death won again, um, I just saw this giant of unbelief standing over, over us and then over Jackson of, uh, I just felt this unbelief. And out of my gut, I started singing, I raise a hallelujah, I raise a hallelujah. And I didn't have any other lyrics. It was just like this, like, no, no. I felt this defiance inside of me of like, no, even in this, I'm, I'm going to raise a hallelujah. And Jackson made it through that night. The next night, our community got together and we started singing this phrase, I raise a hallelujah and recorded, we put a few lyrics around it, but recorded that moment of just wild, raw worship, sent it over to Joel. Joel took the moment and would hold it over Jackson in, in ICU and like play through his phone, our community raising a hallelujah over Jackson. And within a few days, Jackson, like miracle status, makes it through. Um, and within a week, he's out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. And um, we had finished the song that week. And, um, and a few months later, we got to do a live version of this song, uh, out in Reading, uh, at, with Bethel music. And, um, we didn't know it, but Jackson came with his dad to the service that morning and he's riding on his dad's shoulders. Uh, it's our first time playing it as a band. And we look out there and we see Jackson and we're literally like standing because you don't always get this miracle on this side of heaven. You know, um, we've we've buried friends. We've watched cancer just just rob stories. And we've seen so many moments where we, we don't get to see the miracle. And it's like we are seeing the miracle riding on his father's shoulders. Uh, and that was the the version that got recorded is that version with Jackson in the room yeah. singing it. Yeah. I think looking back on like the trajectory of writing it, I think it's that moment, like not to go too epic, but in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, like it's the moment where they light the beacons. And it, it like, I mean, we're on the East Coast, Joel and his family and Bethel's on the West Coast. And it just felt like... Like we found a melody that that lit the beacons. Like it just, like we were, we were so desperate for like just something to you know to sing to pray, and and to yeah to just feel that God was so infused in it. And I mean the the absolutely the the greatest honor was that the actual recording of it. Jackson was in the room with us. I mean it was it was just like. I don't know that I've ever felt such tenacity maybe in a worship leading moment of when you're just standing in the fullness of the faithfulness of God, like in the actual tangible place. Um, It just, it it was just crazy. I like, that's probably the second hardest I've ever sang in my life was when we sang that, we did that because it was just like, I 
like, man, like I just want to make the enemy pay right now. Like, this is crazy. And he knew, like, it was his song. Like, this is your song. Like, Jackson this, did, yeah. The song that Johnny and Mel wrote for you. I mean, they're very good friends of ours. And it, it like every layer of it. And, and honestly, even the testimonies we get back, I mean, kids being raised from the dead, like, I mean, just crazy stuff that we had never. Yeah, we got a, Morgan, we got a testimony two years ago. Again, uh, this was, we got a testimony from a, a family on the East Coast, their son Levi swimming in the ocean, 12-year-old son. He's with all his cousins, and all of a sudden the parents look out and their son's body's floating up on, on the water. They go grab him, pull him to shore, and they said his body was as blue as a tire. A tire, No pulse, no breath, and there was nurses close by on the beach, run over. They're giving Levi CPR, 12-year-old, no pulse. Um, a couple minutes goes by. The mother and father are frantic. And all of a sudden, Levi's little sister comes over, and she starts singing, I raise a hallelujah, I raise a... And her mom said, sing it louder, sing it louder. And all the cousins come over, start singing this song over Levi. And all of a sudden, one of the nurses goes, he has a pulse, he has a pulse. The ambulance arrives, they get him in the ambulance, get him to the hospital, zero brain damage. Like, I mean, a long time without a pulse and zero brain damage. Uh, they air this story on the news, and this little girl would listen to the song on the radio going to school every morning. Um, <laughs> and within the song, hope had been infused. Right. And she's like, if God can do this for Jackson, he can do it for my brother Levi. Uh, we got multiple stories of children hearing this song and going, if God can do it for Jackson, he can do it in this situation. Yeah. Um, so the hope, the tangible hope that's in the song is yeah 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 and i think like that you have that those stories that are just like crazy you know and then we got a letter maybe a month ago of of uh an older gentleman whose wife had just passed away um from cancer and she listened it's like the only song she listened to for like an entire year of treatment and he was just thanking us for giving her hope, like the language of hope. And he said, I just want you to know that like we, she wanted, I raise a hallelujah on her tombstone. Cause it was like, like her anthem, like no matter what, like I'm going to stay in this place. And so I think it's the tension, right? It's like the, it's the tension of, of my own illness. It's the, it's, can we hope in tension? And I think that just the the gift of that song for us is it's just given so many people language, whether they see the fullness of the miracle that is like what happened for Jackson, or it's like literally the anthem that gives them the hope to keep believing that God is faithful. Like it, I we've we've heard every, I mean, I just the full spectrum of of testimonies. And it, yeah, it's just been such a gift. And I think, again, it's, we count these, these gifts from the Lord as very sacred. It's to be able to write something in your living room when you're desperate for your friends. Mm -hmm. And then it go like all over the world. It's like, it's just, there's like, it's the most beautiful 
like gift that right like yes. that God like would let us would trust us to be able to affect the whole body of Christ not just our little corner but for to be able to affect so many cross denominations and all of it like in to actually give a song of of hope and in a song of like steadfast fighting you know what I mean it's like it's the fight that we do without the striving it's like Let's anchor in. Let's light the beacon. We're here. God is here. Like it's, Beautiful. it's been stunning, honestly, just so stunning. I raise a
Father, I, I ask for the courage um, to sing this song in the middle of the storm, God. We ask for the confidence and the courage to rise up that, that believes your word to be true, God. And in the places of deep disappointment and discouragement and loneliness, God, that you would come and you would meet us, that you would surround us with your song, that you would infuse hope into the deepest part of who we are. And we give you in this moment, God, our trust that you are faithful to come through. Amen. Friends, wherever music is sold or downloaded or listened to or streamed, you can find Jonathan David and Melissa Helser. You can look at jonathanhelser.com or their beautiful creative cooperative at cagelessbirds.com. But friends, dive in deep to the gifts and the treasures created by these great hearts and tune in for the next episode where we go even deeper into the work entrusted to their care. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. Take 60 seconds and be with God here in this place.